Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast. Just here walking around. We're gonna go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck before. I just shot a freaking big buck. Get that one. Oh, you hit him. Go get that one, Henry. Right here. What's going on? I am doing my first intro for Michigan Wild because this week's episode I was able to do with uh, Drew Hassler through uh, the internet. We didn't have an, I didn't have an in-studio guest this week, so my first week with that, a little nerve-wracking. Uh, this morning I got up pretty early and I've been on the struggle bus trying to figure out how to upload this file. Uh, all new stuff for me. I'm not a techie guy by any means, but I believe with the help of my wife and the, the Google searches, I got it figured out. But yeah, this week I was able to sit down and uh, had a really good conversation with uh, a buddy, Drew, who became a friend through a mutual friends. And uh, we actually uh getting pretty fired up for this fall. We're approaching October quickly. It's the first, I don't know, the first two weeks of August here. It is the 12th already. So this is going to be, uh, this podcast will be dropping Monday, uh, whatever that day is, the 14th. But yeah, I wanted to sit down with Drew and just chit chat with him because we both share a lease in Illinois. We both uh, hunt uh, Michigan. He is not, he doesn't live close to me, but I hunt similar terrain that he does or area of the state. And I really enjoyed the conversation because he's, uh, he's not afraid to get after in early October, which you'll, you'll find out. Uh, he's had a lot of success doing that. He's been out of state hunting a couple times. He, uh, so yeah, we're, we're fired up for October. We're fired up for our lease in Illinois. Uh, we've discussed, you know, those kind of our game plan. We didn't really get into any nitty ditty details for how we hunt. Um, more just a broad, uh, spectrum of things. I just kind of want to introduce him on the podcast and get to know him because he's definitely going to be on more in the, in the future. But uh, yeah, he he got me fired up because he has shot some really nice bucks in early October. Like talking like the first sit, second sit kind of a thing. Um, and it's on a piece of property he's hunted for a long time. So he kind of explains how it's something that you get to put some equity into. And with food plots, micro plots, learning how to do those things and how it's really paid off by doing that. And that's something that I've wanted to kind of add to my uh toolbox or my fall 
hunting style because primarily I don't do any of my, my equity has not been in food plots or in doing habitat work because the properties I have, I just am not allowed to do that or limited. Um, so I've just done a lot of scouting, a lot of knocking on doors, just getting lots of, lots of properties to hunt and just bouncing all over the place, which depending on how the fall goes and how your year goes and where you're working. I mean, for me, I'm flexible and I work to an extent because I'm self-employed, but each year is different. I mean, I could have a job, you know, pretty far away or, you know, trying to hit deadlines and just a lot of things going on with that. So this fall, I kind of took a different approach with a couple of mini food plots and Drew is someone I talked to quite a bit. I mean, my dad has, you know, being a farmer, growing up a farmer and doing the, the that kind of thing, hobby farm, along my father-in-law, they know how to do crops and stuff. And my dad's kind of had a food plot he's been kind of messing with for a few years behind his house. So, I mean, I have a working knowledge, but I just haven't really done much other than broadcast seed and some rye and hope for the best uh, in fields that get harvested early. So this year I actually used a rototiller and a color packer and those kind of things and kind of strategically placed a couple, obviously in farm field. But no, just, yeah, just doing that was pretty exciting. And yeah, now I'm uh, talking with Drew. My trail cams are going out today. Um, heading to a property with a family, going to get some stands hung and do those kind of things. But yeah, I got the got cameras all sitting down here and batteries in them, making sure they work, uh, their cell cams, but yeah, they're going to go on, uh, on mock scrapes. Uh, one of them, I believe there's a scrape that, uh, was, has been there the last two years. That I really like, uh, kind of have a good game plan for where to hang a stand to hunt that scrape, uh, have scouted that area a couple times, like that general area of the property with other cameras and other mock scrape and, I believe three years. Yeah, I've had a camera on this one scrape, mock scrape I made for three years, and first year was dynamite. Uh, second year, uh, a big buck was using it early in the season. He ended up getting shot right away. Uh, and then after he got shot, no other mature buck really was using that area. So I'm kind of bailing on that spot. It's a really good spot for does and that kind of thing. Um, so that would, that's just a spot we know deer move through, so I don't really need a um, a camera there because this other's location is really close to that. And I feel like that's where the bigger bucks are using just from, you know, sitting on a distance and watching and, you know, paying attention to the certain things when you're there. So yeah, I got that. Another location is going to be a brand new spot that I haven't hunted. Uh, I'm going to put a stand in a mox crate. I've scouted that with the family a couple different times in the last two years, just walking and seeing what's going on. There's this perfect little train feature and natural funnel and a perfect tree to hang a stand and a perfect spot for a scrape. So it's one of those things where um, the stars align. It could be a great spot. Otherwise, you know, there's times when I do lots of mock scrapes and you think it's going to work and it just doesn't work. So I'm going to use the camera to do that. Like I said, it's second week of August, and I was kind of hoping to wait to do my cams until closer to September, but I'm running out of time because there's going to be a trip hopefully to Illinois um, in the next few weeks. So I kind of burned up a weekend. So just going to kind of do a soft start with those, get a couple of those hung up and see what's going on. But yeah, that's kind of my updated current event for that. Hopefully this audio sounds good with Drew. Uh, like I said, it's my first time doing that and I'm sure I'm going to, I'm sure I'm going to listen to it and hopefully be able to get better moving forward with it. But hopefully it sounds good enough for you guys. But yeah, if you're not getting fired up for the season, I mean, I know it's August, but we kind of have a little mini rain system came through and cooled the temps down a little bit. It's getting a little dark a little sooner. Uh, have found some 
you know, really nice bucks are scouting, driving the roads. One of them is, I kind of talked with Drew a little bit about that. One of them really surprised me. I actually found a shed this spring and knew the deer from trail cam picks, which just didn't hunt him because it wasn't, you know, a deer I was targeting. Uh, I figured he was kind of a small three-year-old is what I had thought, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. Then I found a shed and I was like, okay, the mass and you know, certain things, you, I mean, it's all a relative guess, but yeah, I've picked the shed up and I was like, okay, he's probably a three-year-old. He had really cool brow tines, big brow tines, big mass, just lacked in tine length. And then I've seen him a couple times this summer and wow, he blew up. So that buck really surprised me. Um, so hopefully in the next few weeks, get some cams set up for him. There's a food plot that I got put in for him. Uh, then there's another buck that I uh, have seen, and he, I believe I know which deer it is. He uh, is one of those deer that I don't know exactly how old he is, but looking at him from a pretty far ways away, he could definitely be in that four-and-a-half-year-old range also. Um, he's really framey and just kind of trying to get a good look at him, see the time length and all those kind of things, and then compare him to other deer. The other deer that he's with, I passed multiple times last year as a busted-up three-year-old, I thought. Um, but sometimes those two, three-year-olds are kind of hard to tell, especially in November when they're rutting and they're, they're moving pretty quick, and you see them a couple handful of times, but it's 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 just kind of tough sometimes. I feel like it's easy to get them confused. Um, but if that deer is four-and-a-half this year, and then this other deer is definitely four and a half because he's a lot bigger bodied than all that stuff. But it's hard to judge from a distance in a, you know, these fields are tall, you know, maybe grassy field or, you know, the backdrop's not the greatest to come out last light. So you're trying to glass them from a few hundred yards away. So yeah, I usually do a better job of uh, estimating that with multiple trail cam picks and getting a little closer to, you know, there's a telltale size, telltale signs of bucks, you know, where you can, compare and contrast to other deer especially if a camera going up and the multiple deer go by thankfully i live in an area where i get to see lots of deer on trail cam so i pretty good judge of character but yeah there's definitely some uh future prospects of bucks that i actually wasn't even really weren't really on my radar for this year Uh, there's a couple others that haven't showed up that i was really looking forward to so yeah if i have those two potential deer already showing up that's just adding to the the list of deer to go to after, and that gets me pretty jacked. So, um, yeah, I don't know what else to uh, I don't know what else to do from a prep standpoint. From food plots, I pretty much got that all done, and then yeah, now it's just deploying cameras and uh, getting ready for the Illinois lease. Doing that, I'm primarily a mobile hunter, so preset stands are usually not something I take part in unless I'm running behind or one of those things, get home from work late, quick hop into one. Uh, those are mostly going to be set up for, you know, uh, family and, uh, other people that can get there and do it. My wife, uh, brother, brother-in-law, dad, those kind of things, because our schedules are so just hectic. It's kind of hard to, uh, be everyone be a mobile hunter when you have small properties. So these spots that I'm going to have preset stands are, you know, those are private property and they're typically, you know, my family's property, my knock on door stuff, I do not hang uh, stands. Those are strictly hang and hunt every time. And that's just a, the nature of it because I don't want people stealing stuff. But I think an effective tool for a preset is if you can have the camera really close to it with a scrape especially and you can monitor it from, you know, distance as in, you know, cell cam or if it's in a spot where you have a camera close and you can, you know, check it quick 
sneaking into a pre-stat once or twice a year could really pay off. I've, uh, I think we talked a little bit about that first sit stuff with Drew too in this podcast, but yeah, it's pretty powerful the first or second time you're there. Um, and not over hunting it and getting in there the right conditions. So sometimes you got to have luck on your side with that, but yeah, I think, uh, I think we're going to have a pretty good game plan. So yeah, that's kind of, that's going to be this weekend's fun adventure and current event for the family and I, and hopefully we'll have some good Intel moving forward, but yeah, enjoy the podcast. Thanks you guys. Thank you guys all for listening. And, uh, like I always like to say at the end, apparently go outside, enjoy creation, do your thing, enjoy the family, take the kiddos, take your, you know, your dog, whatever you got to do, get out there and just enjoy it. We can have a good one. I think we're good to go here. I got a little red thing up here. All right. We have episode six of Michigan Wild, and I have a buddy, Drew. What is, I don't even know your last name. We're just Drew H. In my phone. <laughs> Hassler. 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 Is the, the correct pronunciation. Nice. So, Hassler. So, it's kind of been a, um, a friendship that's just started on a whim to another mutual friend. Yep. Our buddy Mason, I worked yeah. with him a little bit, and we uh, he always told me stories, you know, working alongside him. I don't know, we probably worked, I bet we worked with each other for like two or three months. Like he was on the same job I was on, and he was doing working for another company, but we were yeah. kind of got became friends and found out that he loves deer hunting and uh, he's from uh, central Michigan area, which you are from. And I always heard stories about this Drew guy that you two are yeah. always getting in trouble <laughs> doing stuff, <Yeah>. oh, yeah. <laughs> shooting we've deer had, and all that. We've had our days. We've, uh, we've had some good uh, hunting memories together. Um, and I think that was the fall you guys went to Indiana. Yeah. On a hunting trip, right? Yeah. So, so he was our... all about that leading up to that. Yeah. yeah. And that was really our first like hardcore experience out of state. Um, trying to do it the right way. Yeah, because I remember he. Yeah, because how old are you guys? You guys are younger than me, but how old 26. are you guys? Twenty six. Yeah, so I think Mason's twenty five. So twenty five. So yeah, that that was is that already almost two years ago? Was that two years ago already? Yep. So yep. you guys are early twenties doing the first out of state thing. You guys kind of went just to a place never been to, never big. been before. Limited research. It was a, a spur of the moment decision. You know, we kind of said, "Hey, we got to go out of state. We got to do something." So. I think and we you, planned it. We planned it within like two weeks. Found yeah, a, it was found quick. A piece out of state and just run and gun. Hit yeah, it hard. and I remember you guys. Uh, or like May, I didn't know. I didn't know you at the time, but Mason was showing me Onyx where you guys went, where you're planning mm-hmm. going. I was like, you couldn't go to a much more different terrain than what we live in here, in Michigan. Like you went from yeah. <laughs> no farm fields to steep hills. Yeah, you know, it was a rude awakening, which. Which I, I in the past had hunted uh, central Indiana, but it wasn't near the kind of terrain that that the southern portion of Indiana was. I mean, this was like right on the Ohio River, basically. Was, that topo map was nuts. I never seen all those yeah. topo lines. I was like, did you guys have fun? And you're like, it was, yeah. it was like, dude, it was brutal. You have this game yeah. plan. Think you can get somewhere? Nope, just kidding. Can't get through that yeah. way. Well, and, and, and more than that, too, it was it was so thick you know just briars anything you can imagine like you as soon as you got to it something you saw that was good you know you just couldn't even walk through it yeah and but you guys saw deer though right i mean you guys i mean overall oh, yeah. i feel like it was a good trip you guys saw bucks you guys saw deer absolutely i think you know and quite honestly that's one of those things anymore it's, it's you almost gotta you almost gotta hunt the weather right 
Yeah. You know, when, when we went, we had, we were working at the time. So we had a, a week or I think we had five days that we could go and we could hunt and it's really not enough. I mean, no. you got to leave those days open and, and plan around the weather. And, and we weren't able to do that. And we got down there and it was 75, 80 degrees mm-hmm. first week in, no, first week in November. So. Yep. Yeah. Cause I think I was in, Oh, two years ago. I don't actually, I didn't go anywhere that year. That was the year I went to Iowa, but I never hunting around here and it was the same, you know, not ideal weather. Like it was not yep. nice, but that kind of, so that kind of started that, you know, relationship with Mason, knew, knew you through that, just through him. And then after Mason went on that trip, exactly what you're saying, you guys are like, man, we had this five day period and the weather was not ideal. And me and my mm-hmm. dad for seven or eight years have always taken out of state trips, same kind of a mindset. We've done two weeks one time, but typically it's five to seven days. And you, you know, you, you, you go with a semi guided thing or you go do something like that through work. It's, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're committed to that time frame. And right. we just realized that that was not something we enjoyed doing anymore because you're so like we're self-employed so we can kind of be flexible our schedule, but we were like limited to what we, what properties to hunt. And mm-hmm. my dad, you know, being in the age he was at and like, was like, we're not going to commit to this like new public ground because we're not going to have that much time. So try to put ourselves in a really good position with like good ground to hunt and this whole time yeah. and looking for leases. Well, that relationship with Mason was like, we want to find a lease like and mason's like if you find one i'm involved i told him the same thing I was yep. like, if you find something and i kind of knew you were involved too so long yep. story short this spring i was just like going through facebook marker i think i just was on facebook in one of those stupid little pop-ups for the marketplace mm-hmm. i had this property for a lease and i was like i quick glanced at it the guy was local to us and it looked pretty good. And I just instantly said it to Mason as I'm like working and like 30 seconds later, he's yeah. like, dude, I reached out to him. <laughs> we got it. Like we're doing this. And I'm yeah. like, okay. And, uh, I think the, I think the, the third whole, guy. Yeah. The whole exchange was a matter of an hour. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting at my desk and Mason texted me that. And I said, I said, dude, we're doing it. Let's go yeah. for it. And I was like, and the cool thing was we had the opportunity to walk this property yeah. Before we said yes. Well, we had to put a down deposit on it, but super mm-hmm. like just a cool opportunity. So, and then, you know, talking with Mason and learning how you are, it was like, okay, obviously the three of us have very similar mindset with how we hunt Michigan, what we're looking yep. to get out of it. I know Mason probably hasn't shot as many deer as like me and you from like a bigger buck standpoint, but he's very committed to mm-hmm. doing that. Like that right. dude is, he's like, I'm shooting a big deer and he's like very, you know, patient and all that kind of stuff yep. and his time's coming so i was like okay i know he's a good guy that's similar mindset and then you too and yep. uh then we both then my dad's doing it and uh, mason's dad's on that so we kind of have a, a big group of guys five guys but we're like hey first year let's see what it's up let's just do this get into as cheap as we can yep. so fast forward a few weeks maybe two only we're like we have yep. to go look at this thing you know you in comes drew through text messaging hey man i'm gonna pick you up and we're going seven and a half hour drive (laughs) we're going to southern illinois yep so me and you got to enjoy a truck ride for seven and a half hours and the friendship instantly happened and that's but i kind of want to go back a little backstory too on you so like you know where you you've hunted michigan been a dire bow hunter right pretty much your whole life yeah so growing up i mean our our dad was hardcore hunter hunter out just michigan outdoorsman in general um Mm -hmm. um but more specifically was hardcore into bow hunting um 
both my uncles were as well. I mean, he raised us bow hunting, you know, we, I, I got my first Jennings bow when I was like 10 years old. <laughs> um, so we've been doing it for quite a while, but we've never really, it was up until recently that we've actually like truly gotten into it. Um, I'd say last five to 10 years, we've actually been hardcore in the bow hunting, you know, we when have you say hard, what do you mean by like hardcore like in your mind because like you well, always I, deer hunted before but what, what was the difference between deer hunting and now like hardcore bow hunting well to me it's you know it's 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 running cameras we have a lease up here in central michigan um you know doing food plots on that lease running cell cams you know tracking deer year after year targeting bucks things like that did um, you so before were you guys more of like um, shoot anything kind of a thing or did you yeah. did your dad was he always that way or what well yes yeah yes and no uh basically we uh we always had a lease but it was uh it was a lease up in marion which mm-hmm. I, I know you you That's hunt my area. around yep. around the area but mm-hmm. this was probably 15 plus years ago we go up there for our deer camp and it was the uh it was the classic <laughs> ri- rifle opener deer camp you'd go oh, yeah. the weekend or whatever and be a whole group of guys and up there we were lucky to to see a see a buck you know so mm-hmm. anything so at a young age you grew up watching your dad and grandpa or relatives or whatever do the deer camp thing and was like shoot any Absolutely. buck kind of a thing that if was kind you, of your immersion so very similar to my upbringing yeah yeah exactly you could hunt a full season and if 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 you saw a spike or a four point it was it was on the uh-huh. ground i mean Which, that's that's just the way it went i mean and yeah. quite honestly i we put out, I mean, I was young at the time. So sitting with my dad in the stand or whatever, we put hours and hours into hunting and, you know, there'd be very, it was very few and far between when you'd see, see a buck. So, okay. So um, you kind of grew up, like go up to the deer camp when you're there, you're hunting and yep. sitting all day or sitting the majority of the day wasn't that uncommon yep. for you. And all you would see is maybe Absolutely. a handful of, do- handful of does. And you know, does, and then after yep. like the third day, you might see a buck, and that was mm-hmm. your opportunity. That was your opportunity, and it, it's since changed pretty drastically to the yeah, property crazy. we have now. Well, that um, I think that's changed in that general area because I'm, you know, I'm 33, so what am I? I'm, you know, seven, six years older than you, so mm-hmm. like that even was. So that went from my age growing up. That's how that was. You sit all day or sit as long as you can pile of does we could shoot pile of does every year because there's always lots mm-hmm. of those and when i remember if someone shot a buck and they came back and you were if they came back and drove down to the barn you were like oh my gosh they shot something and you ran down there if you weren't with mm-hmm. them and yep. if you you looked and if you saw a doe you weren't even that pumped you're like oh cool but like another doe yep. and then if you saw a four-pointer or six-pointer like you're saying you're like oh my gosh like that's awesome yep. like someone shot a buck and that but, I mean, like and you did that happened for quite a while like you said I wouldn't say, yeah, 10 years is probably when it started getting a little better. But, yeah, I grew up the same way. Like, we saw deer, mm-hmm. you sat a long time, and you just waited for that opportunity. And that's and that's what it was. And, you, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but it was it – was, you baited your spots. You know, mm-hmm. we regularly used bait. And I think right around the time that batting ban, ban came around is when we, you know, started looking elsewhere. And we ended up dropping the Marion property and got a property close to home. Mm-hmm. it was it was a freak thing um just a guy my dad worked with he's like he's like hey he was a free range cattle farmer at the time and it's just nothing but pasture ground and swamp 
and he's just reached out to him one day and was like, Hey, do you mind if we like lease your property or do you, do you hunt at all? And sure enough, he didn't hunt. And that was <laughs> our, that was our in that, that was 10 years ago. We, we picked up this property 20 or actually it'd be 13 years. 2010 is when we picked up that property and it's yep. kind of just been on the uphill climb since then. And that's when it started. So the pivotal point was kind of like, okay, you guys got a spot that's closer to home. You're older, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you're yep. like, because you're you, you know the truck ride and that kind of stuff like you've been tore up with this whole bow hunting thing for a long time and yep. then you guys are able to invest more into the property and yep, that's kind of where you change so like what did so for me it made it a lot easier for me to target bigger deer because of trail cam pictures because i have found mm-hmm. them is that like how did that kind of go for you guys did this property have bigger deer right away or well, was it one of those things you kind of had to make the property better and you realize that you're getting a return mm-hmm. on that investment well, quite honestly, when we first picked up that property, it, it took us a few years to actually understand the ins and outs of of what that property took and, and, you know, the deer in the area, how they worked, how they moved. And I think we, quite honestly, had the mindset, the same mindset that we had up in Marion. You know, it was, I think my first year I shot there was in youth season at the time when we first got that property, I shot a spike. And then... uh I think my dad shot like 120 inch 10 point the first year we had it. And then it was like basket rack after basket rack. And that went on for a couple of years. Okay. And then, uh, our neighbor, we got in the conversation with our neighbor and, and got to be put pretty close to him. And he had been passing deer for a while. And then we started running trail cameras. He's like, okay, I've been seeing all these deer on trail cameras, sending us pictures and stuff. Then we loaded up on trail cameras, you know, started doing mm. things like that. And then, uh, and then there's this probably 135 inch seven point that really caught our attention. Like, this is the biggest deer I've ever seen on trail camera, you know, <laughs> at the Holy time. Holy wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like, what the in the time. world? Dude, I remember the first hundred and I want to say he was like almost 140 as a 10 point. Mm-hmm. I pulled that picture up and I was like, how is this possible? Yeah. You know, that first time I remember going through, it was like in January. It was like after oh. season, I had left a. I bought a camera with Christmas money, set it up like mm-hmm. December 28th or something. And like January, I left it out for a week, checked in. I was yep. like, what is that? Right by my tree stand. And yep. yeah, that kind of spurned. But I like want to kind of touch on that point of uh, having a good neighbor because mm-hmm. that is a huge deal. I don't want well, like, to try not to undersell not- that because the only reason I've shot the bucks I've shot that are good size is because of good neighbors. I mean, I guess it could have happened with bad neighbors, but I think my chances, I would not have the deer I have or seen or had the opportunities to hunt if we didn't have a group of people, similar mindset. So, I mean, that's really cool. I would give a lot of the the credit to the successes of our property due to our neighbors. I mean, we, we, it, we're not quite a co-op, but you could basically call it a co-op. And when we all exchange pictures, we all have each other's numbers. You know, if I get a deer on camera, I'm texting it to my neighbor. I'm like, Hey, have you seen this buck? What's your plans with this deer? Are you going to pass it or are you going to shoot it? Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. And we all get on the same page. And I think that's what has made our property what it is now. Yeah. Know? Fun, fun. And mature, like, yeah, I've seen the pictures of the deer. You guys got some sweet bucks, mature bucks, yep. you know? And yep. so, so you, how many years do you think it's taken, like, so you said 2010, you said you guys leased it. So the past 13 years, you said like the yep. last five, it's been pretty good. Yeah. The last five or six, I mean, we've consistently killed 
you know, bucks in the one thirties. My dad killed a one forty eight a couple mm-hmm. years ago. My last year was like a one thirty six inch nine. So I mean we've consistently killed good bucks. And and for yeah. Michigan in central Michigan, you know, That's good. To say that's pretty good. Yep, that's <laughs> so, great. Yeah, that's just, I mean that's and that's just the I think that's the thing, the stigma, you know, I'm not trying to get into this whole like Michigan different to other Midwest states, but like you've been down to other states. I have, we have the deer, we have the terrain, we have the property. We just have a lot mm-hmm. more hunters. So you get to really focus on your neighbors getting on the same page. And I think that's just yep. a point that I kind of want to make that me and you both like talking and this friendship we have, we're, you know, separate areas of the state, but we both have the same success I don't think it's a coincidence coincidence that we have good neighbors that are on board. So we have right. that much bigger property. Um, so I think that's like anyone who's hearing this, like that's a point I want to kind of make. Like if you have the opportunity to go become friends with a neighbor or not, you know, you can't be selfish about it. You Absolutely. have to be very forthcoming, yep. but it's worth it. Like I'm going to do a podcast coming up um, with a guy that shot a buck last year it was a buck that I knew about hunted i would like to do that before this fall but i knew about the deer neighbors knew about the deer i had the gentleman that shot it i didn't know him didn't have his number come to find out he was hunting the same deer he shot it technically shot you know my deer with air quotes mm-hmm. air quotes yeah, not right. my deer but you know shot it and it was and now I, i've developed a relationship with him hopefully moving forward that that's one more piece of the puzzle and we can just as yeah. a group you know be successful so the same mindset you have with your, your family and your parents or your, your property and your neighbor's property, that mindset we've kind of taken under this lease with me, you, Mason, mm-hmm. and our, our group of guys. Um, so kind of want to talk about the lease a little bit now, yep. too, because I'm kind of pumped because we're getting close, you know, for yep. that. But which, so, yeah, which we, I, just, I got a pretty, uh, pretty fiery picture today. So. Mm. I got to send that Juicy. to the group still. Yep. Yeah, so this Real is, this is. I'm just going to give a little background on you. I never have met Drew, just mm-hmm. through a group chat, through Mason. He's like, he lives an hour and some change north of me. We're going to Southern Illinois. He's like, dude, I'll come pick you up in my truck because I didn't have a truck <laughs> at the time. I was waiting for mine to come oh. in. He's like, I'll pick you up. We'll drive down there. He's like, I got a whole pile of cell cams ready. All my cameras, my cell cams were getting fixed, so I just had some mm-hmm. cheapo SD cards. He's like, I got cell cams. I got the truck. Let's go. So I'm like, sweet. Here I am. Getting, typically, I'm not the guy getting picked up. I'm the guy picking people up. So, but right. what a great, you know, you, like this is going to be a fun thing for us because mm-hmm. it's not, we're not selfish hunters. And I think no, that's, I mean, I think that's going to be the fun. Any group success is a, a success for me. You know, that's, mm-hmm. we're all down there to have fun. And that's what it's all about, you know. And I think sometimes, um, you know, like my buddy Tyler, I did the, I've talked about him a little bit, you know, to him, the hunting culture kind of looks toxic from the outside because he's just seen it through social media and, you know, Instagram and those kind of things. And he, you know, he hears the bad stories and, but he's realizing getting, you know, being around more that there's a non-toxic side to it. And like, I feel like you can make it what you want. And if you're not selfish and you're out to have a good time and do these mm-hmm. things, it can be, a, it'd be, I mean, we all three went down there spent the you know spent a night two days walk this property and not one time where we like claiming spots where we doing this we we're all just giving all this information to each other very team oriented mm-hmm. i mean what we did in one day on that property it would have taken us individually i don't know how many times we had to walk around that and yep. 
what a great time <laughs> like, i'm just yeah. i'm like just thinking back to it like we went up we went there before all the green up happened so we got to really yeah. look what's gonna look like and i'm just sitting here daydreaming like man that probably, one stand it's like yeah, probably the best scouting mission we could have done in the in the time frame that we had i mean yeah it was so, planned in a matter of a week and we had a weekend to look it over and it was good juicy. stuff it was juicy. Hey, yeah, we have <laughs> we have terrain. So what do you? So I guess we. I don't want to. You know, we don't have to break this thing down completely property wise. But what did you think about the property when you walked it after seeing it on Onyx? Because I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of guys do what we did. You know, you look at these properties if it's public land or lease properties. You pull them up on a map, and you're you're tr- especially going out of state. You're trying to, you know, try to you know, use past experiences to dictate what you see on Onyx or whatever you use. So how did you kind of look at that? Cause I know you broke it down a certain way and I broke it down separately. So kind of want to see what you thought about it. Well, you know, I, I broke it down from experiences and in high terrain areas that I've had before, you know, just like Indiana or, or, you know, we've been scouting in Ohio before, you know, things like that. You, you take, little things you've learned from there and that's how i put it to this property it's if you're like any other michigan hunter we're flat you know Mm. so uh, hunting terrain hunting topography is is a completely different story um so you know work working the fingers working the ditches things like that how our our thermal is going to work it's a completely different ball game than what we're used to at least that what i'm used to i mean i can see across my entire lease property up here you know yeah six feet off the ground I, yeah six feet <laughs> off the ground i can see it 1200 plus yards you know so it's it's a completely different ball game mm-hmm. and i know i went down with the mindset yeah because you you were like deer travel areas i felt like you had a really uh-huh. good like I, I remember you showed me some like sketches you're like okay i really feel like the deer are going to work this way uh-huh. through this train which was kind of mm-hmm. similar to what I thought had seen, but then the little differences, but we also, I had the big mindset, like we're making scrapes, like let's do some mock mm-hmm. scrapes just to yep. try to get inventory. And I'm a big mock scrape guy. I've been doing those before. It was kind of cool. I don't, you know, now it's been like all the yep. rage to do like a, a rope scrape or a vine scrape. I started doing mock scrapes without vines a long time ago. I don't know yep. who told me, but just did that. And I've had really good luck with it. So mm-hmm. with your, idea of how you broke down the property from travel corridors and my like where i've had success with scrapes in michigan and hunting scrapes out of state and other place we kind of mesh those two things together so like when we all went down there we started walking and we had you were like you went through i mean you're you had so many pins everywhere and i kind of <laughs> didn't have as many pins because you left I, it open yep. yeah because i wanted to like i had good ideas i liked but then when i walked into the area that i was like walking it and i was like i like this i would pull it up on onyx and i'd mark it and then mm-hmm. you were doing the track and then it was really funny See, I, because i feel like i i do it the reverse way so yes. I, I add just a just a crack load of pins and then once i get in that area and if it doesn't look good then i just take that pin out of there you yep. know i just control alt delete yep but it was really funny because when we compared after and as we're doing it you would pull up yours and you'd be like, dude, I marked this. And I'm like, I yeah. love this. And so it was yeah. really nice to confirm that with each other. Like, you know, there's more than one way to do it, but it was like this really nice thing, but I really liked. So first of all, we were, it's, it's got some egg on it and it's terrain. So I, yep. we kind of struggled to know where bedding was and yep. you, I've hunted hilly stuff uh, like Kentucky, which it was just straight up woods and oaks. And mm-hmm. they always bedded like, 
alongside like a little ditch or um, pine thicket or raspberry patch. Like you'd kind of see it here. There wasn't mm-hmm. as much of that because it was so late in the year. But then we we started thinking about it. We're like, okay, where would they want to be? And then once we found a legit bed, like we were like, oh yep. my gosh, there it and is. I feel like I feel like come you know once that green comes down, a lot mm-hmm. of that woods opens up pretty good. So it's it's the what's their best vantage? What's their best lookout? And that's yep. exactly where we found those beds. Found them. Then it was like once we found yep. them, we we're like then it was like easy. Okay. But we got now it. we know. Yeah. But how like the importance of scouting, which we both, we all, me, you and Mason, were big into doing the scouting. If we didn't scout that area out, you can have like a preconceived idea of where the deer are. But like now we know they're bedding in those areas and we know we cannot access a certain way. Yeah. And, exp- and I think that's probably what killed the the last guys that lease it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just our brief conversations with them, they go right up the gut of that thing and probably blew every deer out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it just tells you so much about access just from walking at that one time. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. But yeah, that that train's got me pumped. I I loved seeing how your brain worked with it by being in that mm-hmm. area, combining together, and then we put yeah. these box scrapes up. Yeah, but and then uh, yeah, we had bucks on them still before they shed because we were looking for sheds and didn't find any because they're still whole nailers. We found out. <laughs> But yeah, it was nice for, to do all that, put the cameras up on the mock scrapes, and then like you cell cams are so nice because you get that validation. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. yes, we were right. You know, they are I moving think, that I, way. I think we got that validation within the first week. Yes. Like we got had a had a bachelor group that moved through. <laughs> yeah, we were like, yes, it's we're Pretty not good that, we're not that yep. dumb. <laughs> yeah, right. It's kind of how that felt. We know a little uh, bit. So uh and then another good thing about the lease is we're trying to do this not tied down to like one week a year right. or yep. that. So we're trying to be flexible. And mm-hmm. I think, I guess, how do you, how are you looking at this? Like, what are you hoping to be able to go there a couple weekends or we're going to try to hunt together, obviously at least once, yep. but we also are realistic knowing that there might be a day trip or two in there that we can't all be there. But like, where yep. are you kind of at with, cause I just heard a podcast about a guy talking, I think it was a working class bow hunter. He's from Wisconsin, and he was talking about how he doesn't take his week vacation one straight week anymore. He does yep. a Friday here. He'll do a Monday, Tuesday here. He'll break it up throughout the year to try to yep. get as many opportunities as he can. So if someone like you has more of, you know, you can work from home and you're a little flexible at work, but you still kind of have to be structured in that. How do you? How are you going to attack it for the year? I'm going to leave it pretty open, to be honest. I mean, I, I have a, a little bit of freedom with my job to be able to, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, a cold front's moving in October, you know, for me to be able to take a Friday off and hunt Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm probably going to do that. Um, you know, obviously we'll reserve time in November, but uh, I'm going to be pretty open throughout the whole season. Nice. That's a good, that's you know? a good feeling. No one, yeah. that, <laughs> it's like, man, like I have never had that on an out-of-state hunt before it's yep. always it's november 6th to november 12th or whatever it may be or we're going to this big chunk of public ground for nine days and it's happening this time mm-hmm. and you know, you might well, be able to tweak it a day here or there but then you look at the weather you're like man the the good hunt isn't even a, the good weather doesn't happen for four days so, so what do you do do you you know, blow the place up or do you kind of try to mm-hmm. wait for it it's just so much different when you're out of state attacking a property that way and I think that's what makes 
at least so exciting. You know, I mean, we just like we've done before, we spent so much money and just a random hunting trip for a week, like we take a week off work and you go somewhere mm -hmm. and don't always have the best luck, you know, don't always have the greatest opportunities depending on the weather or the time of year. But, you know, we have, we actually have the Intel now, you mm -hmm. know, we, we have cameras running. We, we've scouted it before. We have a little bit of background on the property. So that's, that's going to make it that much more fun this season to be able to, to use that to our advantage. Yep. What's your, uh, I know we've talked about a little bit, like, what are you, like, what's your kind of like goal? Are you going for four and a half year old? I know we've kind of talked about a little bit, but like, are we doing, we're, I think we're kind of going for four year olds, right? That's kind of going to be our, if we can, yeah. we know for sure there's a few five and a half year olds kind of a thing, but we're trying yeah, to shoot a mature I, deer is the goal. Yeah. I, I mean, mature deer, regardless. I, the thing for me is I've already had some pretty good bucks show up in Michigan. So mm -hmm. far, I got I got one that's I've been watching for yeah going on three years now. <laughs> so that's that's gonna be a big one for me. Uh, you know, I'm gonna if I get a really good opportunity, but it's gonna probably have to be at least bigger than something in Michigan. I mean, it's yeah. I'm I'm okay with just the experience. You know, and I think I don't I don't have to I don't gosh. have to go down there. I'm not gonna shoot the first you know, four year old, I see it, you know, if it's, if it's something that stands out, then absolutely. It could be, yep. you know, 130 inch buck, but if he's got split brows or something crazy, you know, <laughs> I might, might interest me. He's a little trashy. You might be yep. able to do that. Yeah. That's think, something yeah, I don't get here. I get, I get all clean, clean eights, clean tens up here. So, and I know that's how I am too. I mean, I've, I've hunted out of state. Like, I think, can we think this might actually be my 10th year. And I've only shot one buck out of state, and that was two years ago in Iowa. Mm -hmm. And I have let some cool deer walk by me because I just, like you said, it's for the experience. And mm -hmm. why shoot a deer that's the same as I can shoot in Michigan when I'm down there? Or why shoot a three-year-old when I know there's four- and five-year-olds walking around? Or why shoot that right. beautiful 140-inch, you know, clean 10-point that you – you can't put him a day past four and you're thinking mm -hmm. he's three and a half. It's like, you know, you don't even pick your bow up because you're just so immersed in this and what the goals are like, not because you're a trophy snob or you're trying to shoot a big buck, but it's like, I go down there, I go to the Midwest and these States because I want that experience of that big bodied, no doubter, mm -hmm. you know, no doubt yep. your buck to shoot. And like you said, eating your tag, who cares? Because you're going to, if right. you don't shoot a buck, that means you get the full hunt, the full year, yep. the best experience you can. And then we got Mason, exactly. who's totally going to do a podcast with us too. But I'm trying yep. to, I'm rattling his cage. Like, dude, that first 130 that walks by, you better smash that, dude. Thing, you know, and if, he won't do it. He's so he's, like out of it right now. Like, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, dude, you need he to. Needs he hasn't to, had too he, many under his belt, you know. No, he just needs to, he needs to draw some blood. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's worked hard enough for it. He just needs to oh, gosh, yes. get the opportunity. Because that, that you know that that would make the whole the whole trip down there. Oh if Mason, gosh, yes. Mason shot a good one. I mean, yep. And I think he, we're you both know, his luck. He's gonna shoot him. a one sixty. He's gonna be like, yeah, we're gonna right. rattle in his cage. You go sit here because you know we know the three year olds are over there. One thirty, one forty. He's like, you'll get one. And we're gonna set. He's gonna go over there and he's gonna shoot a one sixty. We're gonna lose our yep. mind. But you know <laughs> yeah. that's it could happen. But you know that's well, that, that's part that's, of hunting. That's what. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And that's I mean, why it's so and like I'm so looking forward to this fall because of that. Like it's our, mm -hmm. it's our going to be our deer camp. Cause I don't really have a deer camp 
uh, in like here in Michigan, like my deer camp is just my family because yep. we've always been just very like my mom's side of the family did deer camp and they were, you know, they would have their campers and they would go to the big state land chunk and do the whole thing and generations of it. But they were, they didn't really see deer. They didn't really shoot deer. I was my dad's side of family, farmland and all that, plenty of deer. So deer got shot and I was immersed Mm -hmm. in that. So as a kid and that stuff, I was like, why would I want to go do that when I go sit on this, you know, awesome corner of a hayfield see 30 deer at a night and then pick whichever right. one i want to shoot so like that's always been my and then that it's my deer camp is seeing my family you know having dinner with them and then all of our you know seeing all the friends and stuff come hang out at night and have pie and do that kind of thing and now i'm kind of getting to do this deer camp vibe with people my age and like-minded yep. and all that so i'm really pumped for that and um yeah man, and top it off ex- and top it off, it's not that far of a drive. Like we can, no. we can go make this happen. It's not like we're doing going to the UP or something where we're driving nine hours in the middle of nowhere. This is something we can easily get down to, do it a day. We could hunt that same day if we yeah. wanted, very easily. And, so it's just a good. It feels good. <laughs> to be honest with you, it was it was a quick seven eight hours. Mm-hmm. Whatever it ended up being, it was it didn't feel like an eight hour drive. No, whatsoever. I mean, it's the straight shot. So. That does make it that much better. Okay, so what are you doing for stands? I know we, I know we're gonna possibly go down before season if that works. Um, mm-hmm. I know we have a lot of good spots pre-picked for stand locations when we were down there scouting. But like, what mm-hmm. is your go-to thing you feel like are you gonna do? For me, it's gonna be the saddle, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I know, I know your dad, Mason's dad. They're not saddle hunters. We're probably gonna have to set something up for them if, yep. if they're able to make it down. Um, or if they're fine with just running and gunning with this, you know, a stick and stand, lone wolf setup, whatever. Yep. Whatever yep. you want to call it. Um, but I, I got the new latitude sticks. So now nah, you did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be sweet, running those. Yep. Sweet. I, yep. uh, I actually have. So I've been doing the saddle hunting thing too, pretty, pretty strictly for five years. I think it's my fifth year. Mm-hmm. Actually, my sixth year, but I did just buy that new uh beast stand. I went to the the okay. expo in Kalamazoo, yep. made it there like right before they closed, and was like, I want to hold this stand, and then I bought it just to have like another thing for like if Ashley wants to go with me this year, like having that with a saddle combo for dual hanging, mm-hmm. and also I kind of wanted a really lightweight stand just to bring down to Illinois because right. I feel like of all the stand sites we picked, there might've only been one spot where like, yeah, that might be kind of difficult with the saddle, mm-hmm. but the majority of the saddle is so nice. Cause it's so versatile, but I was, I'm bringing it down there also just to have that other option. That's right. like, okay. We have these guys coming or whoever's coming. We can just quick hang it in a tree with a lifeline yep. and it's there and then pull it down. We're done. So I really mm-hmm. like that idea. So I was almost going to the, so I was kind of like, okay, what if we do, you know, John Eberhart, you know, the guy that presets all this stuff for, you know, right. saddle hunting. And I was like, I don't know if I want to get that and committed to stuff and do all that. And I started, you know, adding up the price for some stuff. And I was like, I'm just buying a stand. Just give me one yeah. other thing. And but, yeah, you know, right. this, this B stand is pretty sweet. Like yeah. it's light. It's nice. Um, it's going to be, I agree I'm Before I'm I... really tempted to see. I, I'm about got. I've still to put the thing together 100, percent but it's been sitting in my basement down here. I've been staring at it for a while <laughs> and holding it. Yeah. And I'm like, man, if I would have, if that thing would have came out when I first, I first used to do this hanging hunt thing with a lone wolf alpha, 
And I remember that I was like, I felt great doing that. And I would go down to Kentucky and Missouri and Illinois with that thing on my back with four sticks, Illinois. I hunted and I was like, dying. that's exactly, that's exactly dying. what I have. That's exactly how I started. And, yes. And first time I did that, especially because I used to do hanging hunts on my property too. I mean, I still do, you know, if mm-hmm. the opportunity presents itself, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do that. And actually that, at 148, my dad shot, I was on him like Donkey Kong. I mean, it was <laughs> every other sit I saw that deer and did many a hanging hunt for him, but I was hauling around that lone wolf set. And it's like, man, this thing is not fun. No, these new <laughs> setting up that stand at 3:30 in the morning, trying to get oh. up early enough. Heavy, yep. good stuff. Yeah, that's how yep. he, he. My dad always told me he's like, "You're building character," because I would just be mm-hmm. dying. And now I yep. got this. Well, saddle hunting, that's why it was so intriguing to me at first. Literally, everything's in your backpack. You wear yep. your saddle, 100%. And your sticks, and your platform in your backpack, and you just go and you climb the tree and hunt. Like, so streamlined. Mm-hmm. I love it. So, yeah, I'm, that's going to be the primary thing, too, just the ease of it. And then I think, yeah, we'll probably possibly do, like you said, a couple. You know, we have a few handful of stands we can bring down for the dads or Mm-hmm. Even if one of us gets there, we kind of talked about if we get there late or whatever, and we got a quick hop into a set, you know, have something ready. We're just trying to be as efficient as possible with this whole right. deal because it's Absolutely. not a giant property and trying to be creative. And like, I really like how you said earlier with your lease in Michigan that when it first started, it took you guys a handful of years to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think we all kind of have that same mindset. Like, let's go into open minded, try to figure this out, stay mm-hmm. positive and do that. So, but yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think I'll be, I think one of us is going to shoot a deer. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. come on. I feel like some yep. of us has got to at least, if we don't, we're going to have a great opportunity. I mean, it just seems too good to not, you know? Yep. Yep. I mean, if all, if, if it comes down to it, I mean, we got a, that, that extra combo doe tag. There's going to be <laughs> something hitting the ground. Something. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm we not, have a little camp and everything there. We have yep. to. Yep. I'm not, I'm not afraid to, needless to say. But, but yeah, I know. I, uh, I don't know. Are you? Uh, we talked about the food plot thing too. So I had uh, Packer Max on last week, Lincoln, yep. and chit chat with him a little bit about uh, food plots and leases and that kind of stuff. And funny, funny, he's got two out of state leases, but can't do food plots either one. So yep. it didn't really help me too much in that regard. However, I've I just got done doing a couple food plots this past week and a half ago. I think yeah, a week mm-hmm. two weeks ago kind of like test dummy kind of for what we could do down there a little bit. Yep. But you have a lot more experience with food plots and what is your, uh, how much, what, I mean, we're probably not, what's your mindset? We're going to try to do food plot still this year. Or you think we kind of missed the boat on that a little bit? Well, I think I, you know, our best opportunity down there would be just broadcasting into the beans. Yeah. I mean, the farmers got both of the field front and back. are going to be soybeans. still. I think we're going to, if we can go down early September, we're going to hit a pretty good window to get those, get that broadcast in the beans before those leaves drop. Mm-hmm. And really, I think that's our best shot at anything. Yeah. Um, even, even more than leaving beans up. Cause I know farmers said they'd just pound them year after year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd well, like how to, have you, like have to you think, had good luck with that? Have you done that here in Michigan or have you broadcast yeah, so I, before? Yep. Yeah, so I started, have you ever heard of the Jeff Sturgis method? You know, oh, yeah. the no, no-till method. That's that's basically how I started food plot 
you know, five, six years ago. Um, it'd be spring planting of uh, buckwheat or some sort of cover crop and then broadcasting into it and rolling it over. Um, from my understanding, the the bean the beans, the leaves dropping over top of the seed decks is the same kind of thatch. So um, nice. I've had really, really good success with it if you catch it in the right window. So yeah, I've done. I think uh, it's it's going to be one of those things where we look at the look at the forecast. You know, especially planting brassicas, they're cheap. You know, we can get away with just doing it mm-hmm. and not worrying worrying about the cost of it later. You know, well, I got some bought can... already, so <laughs> <laughs> I got some sitting go. in my garage. So we got yeah, I got enough perfect. seed to do. I got some clover. I got uh, some grain brin and stuff like that from uh, Packer Max. I can do mm-hmm. an acre. I think I have an acre worth, which that on top of whatever else my dad's got laying around. I have some. Now my dad being the hobby farmer, that dude's got a mm-hmm. whole area full of stuff. So we're good on seed. It's yep. just I've done the broadcast in the corn. Um because mm-hmm. a lot of corn around here. And I've had just rye, just cereal rye. And yep. it works okay, you know, but it's not uh it's just one of those last dish efforts. They chop the corn quick. I've done that. Um, mm-hmm. I've never done it in soybeans before though. So I'm pretty, yeah. peaked. my interest is definitely peaked on trying that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, especially with broadcasting the corn, you don't get near as much sunlight to the ground with that high corn stand. So I think that if anything, the beans are going to do a lot better mm-hmm. um, broadcasting than them. And, and like you, like you mentioned, cereal rye, I've had great success with that. Um, I plant that as a cover crop in most of my food plots just about every year. Nice. Um, and it does great, and it's a great green layer come first spring. Only thing about that is we got to get with the farmer and, and let him know that we're probably going to spray it for him. Cause yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, he probably doesn't want to rye stand in his beans come spring. No, nope, he's not going to want to deal with that big mess. Yeah, So, but I think that a lot of that's going to come down to what he says and what his thoughts are on the whole situation. So, So have you seen a good – return on your investment doing food plots here in Michigan. Cause like you say, you've been doing it for six or seven years. How absolutely. Yeah. Like you've got it. Obviously you're probably much more efficient at it. Cause I think you're actually getting ready for food plots. Are you doing it this weekend or you said something about getting food plots stuff ready tonight? Tomorrow. Yeah. So I was getting all the equipment around today and, and mind you, my equipment is, is a four wheeler, a cult packer and a spreader and a sprayer. So, that's all you need though um, that's what's I'm, awesome i am the the poor man's epitome of a food plot um but it's worked well for me and and yeah i've absolutely seen return on investment i've the last i want to say last three bucks i've killed have been going to food going to my food plot or going to one of them um yeah. that big nine i killed last year was right on the edge right on the edge yeah, yeah that, right on that the was edge crazy yeah worked, right there worked a scrape line and I shot him at nine yards of, you know, base, base of where the food plot starts and yep. ended, up, ended up dying on the edge of the food plot. So, so um, what have you found? Cause my food plots here have always been broadcast in egg field. I haven't made any food plots in, you know, bad areas or you no know, low land or like you have a lease that isn't farm field. It's, you know, not good enough area for farmers to use for, mm-hmm. for crops. So you're adding food plots. Have you found like, have you found like a good recipe to like size a food plot up to cover in a certain way or how have you broke down like architecting your food plots? Uh, so for us, it's, I pretty much had a lot of the work done for me as far as like terrain features go. 
I mean, our property, it's lowland. So there's, there's a, a basically a county drain. It's all cedar swamp drainage, right? So mm -hmm. we have 160 acres, but probably an acre in total is woods. So, I mean, we have mm -hmm. four or five stands, set stands on the entire property, and it's entirely tall native grasses, uh, you know, goldenrod, uh, Kentucky bluegrass, things like that. Um, a lot of it's mowed for pasture grass, for, I mean, pasture for farmers' cows, but other than that, it's pretty much grass that's over your head and it's wet. Okay. I mean, so it's, you you have a so, food plot right up against that. It's kind of yeah, you do right a up food against plot that. up against so, that that kind of thing. Okay. So in the summer, it works really well because those deer love that that thick grass for bedding. I mean, they get in those swamps and they they feel pretty comfortable in there. And even for running does, they love that tall grass in the fall. Um, mm -hmm. So basically, any any tall any tall spots are where we have our food. So, you know, it's, it's pretty limited. That 160 acres, I got probably a full acre of food in total. And how many I mean, spots and, do you have? Like, is that in four spots, five spots? What do you have? That's just plots? Two, two spots. Two spots. You have originally, two half acres. Yeah. You know, originally, I was up to almost four or five acres in food because uh, we originally had another 80 to the north of us that was much higher ground out of the swamp and i had quite a bit of food in there um but we since lost that last year that sold last year so okay um this is what we're left with but it, it seemed to work out just fine i i mean i have these food plots on rotation so yeah. i'm you're never so efficient this. with them yeah you're so efficient with them and are you talking to me like you, like you said you don't have your limited equipment you're able to go in there handle take care of business you know you do your things in mm -hmm. the spring do that and yeah i mean I've seen the, I've seen your fruit of doing that. And it's mm -hmm. like, man, that, and that kind of like has got my gear spinning. It's like, okay, I need to find, I've always focused on properties that already have food on them, like with egg. Mm -hmm. So I like, I'll do the same kind of thing. Like, you know, not as big of a property, but I might only have a handful of acres of woods I can hunt um, yep. because it either butts into a farmer's egg field or something like that. And talking with you and seeing, you know, the overhead view of that property, I'm like, I would have never have thought to try to have that get permission on a property like that because mm -hmm. it's not something I've thought about. So seeing that and then seeing what you've been able to accomplish with, you know, minimal stuff, but doing it effectively and learning how to do it. It's like, okay, kind of got my gears turning and mm -hmm. I've been kind of looking a little bit and. I thought I was going to get permission on a piece that I was going to be able to do something similar to it, but I just got permission for rabbit and turkey hunt, which is great. Uh, no whitetail hunting yet, but you gotta start I never, I, yep, exactly. Yep. I gotta get your foot in the door somehow, but yep. I never would have knocked on that door with the inclination to uh, deer or to deer hunt it until mm -hmm. just kind of seeing what you went through like with that. Yep. So just kind of anyone that's, you know, you know, knocking on doors, getting permission, like all my stuff's essentially permission uh, property. Other my family uh, has got some land up north. My in-laws have a little land down here around me, but all my other spots are just knock on door permission. The only mm -hmm. lease I have is down in Illinois, first lease I've ever had. But uh, yeah, go out there and don't be afraid to see those uh, unappeasing properties, I guess. And that. I tell you what, it took us, took me years to get there. I mean, a lot of sweat equity went, went into just making a little quarter acre, half acre food plot here and there. I mean, especially with limited equipment. I mean, when I first started, I had a chain link fence gate that I got from work and I put a few cinder blocks on it and I started dragging the field that way. And 
just sprayed the crap out of it and you know i'm certainly not afraid to use some glyphosate and you know get it down to dirt that's yeah. the biggest thing and and for me the brassicas was the easiest way to start small seed if you want to shoot if you want to shoot a nice deer in michigan you can't be afraid of a little bit of work and sweat equity yep. you know and exactly. that can be defined in you know i have done it with multiple properties like mm-hmm. so i have i have put my effort into finding spots getting permission hunting all over the place wide net put cameras out and just like fingers crossed waiting for the right one to come into a property and then go mm-hmm. strike when the iron's hot kind of a thing um yep. and that that could have all the bucks you know you can see behind me like they've all been shot on different properties i've never shot a nice buck off the same property twice and you know i've been shooting i probably up my game was shooting bigger deer 2000 and 12 or 13 probably was when i kind of made like the the adamant like i'm not shooting a little or little buck and to me a little buck was like a two-year-old and under Mm -hmm. or something i thought was really big and i didn't want to have ground shrinkage anymore Mm -hmm. so and then it took me until took me five years to shoot a really nice one in 2017 so then from 2017 i've shot a nice buck as in like 130 ish and up buck you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. And then last mm-hmm. year was my first year I didn't shoot one. And that was just because I was being too picky, which that's mm-hmm. a whole other thing. But that 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 mentality or that swag equity I put in that way has worked for me. But then last year it bit me in the butt. So I was yep. like, man, I don't have this like little like pocket where I have put effort into that I can maybe draw a deer or you know, wait, grow a deer. Not growing deer maybe isn't the right word, but keep a deer like keep a deer safe or keep a deer in my area and then wait them out kind of a thing i'm just right. like strictly relying on neighbors not shooting them and having one come through and hanging out for a couple of days and then going in and shooting them so yeah my brain is like you know reflecting <laughs> on last year i'm like okay what can i do differently so you know i don't yep. have that same kind of a year again and i really like this idea of little food plots and like yep. properties like it's, that it's... so and it's exa- it's little kill plots. I mean, that's that's what I call them. It's I know deer are going to be moving through the area. You know the way they're set up on high ground, especially when we get some pretty severe rains in the fall. They're not moving a lot of those areas that are that are wet year round. You know because they're instead of having six inches of water, they have a foot of water or more. Mm-hmm. You know so so having food in the high spots actually is a huge advantage to us. And I know deer are going to be moving through there, so I just need something to bring them a little bit closer. You know we position our stands you know within shooting distance of any deer axis in that food plot yep. based on the wind direction obviously but yeah. what um if you had a you know i know this buck that you don't need to give away any juicy details on him i know of the deer you told me about him last year if you're going to kill him when are you going to kill him so funny you ask that i've only ever shot one deer in my entire life in november um <laughs> so <laughs> For for me in Michigan up here, it, it's first couple of weeks of October. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I had to choose a day, October sixteenth, I've killed three deer on October sixteenth. Oh, in the middle of the uh, wall, you killed deer in the middle, middle of the wall. That a boy. Yep. And it's, boy. you know, I'd probably say eighty ninety percent of the time it's been after a solid rain too. Like mm-hmm. I've been walking out to my stand in the rain, let Amen. the rain stop, and that's that's when I hit them. Um, I was, uh, I was passive aggressive, not, not, not like purposely passive aggressive, but early October 7th, last year, it rained, uh, me and Ashley and Henry went out 
and sat in my one blind that I built that works as a gun blind and a bow blind early season. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a bean rotation, which I had not had beans in this specific area in a long time. Like, I don't even know if I'd ever had beans there while I could hunt it. So I didn't really know how to handle handle the property. So I was like, I'm just going to kind of be easy the first little bit. And I didn't really have a buck I was targeting. There was one really nice three and a half year old that was going to be just fantastic. So I didn't really want to go in there, hunt hard, and have walk by at 15 yards in a moment of weakness and shoot him. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to kind of stay back. But I had wanted to put a ground blind on one side of the bean field. And these the bean field I'm talking about is not like your wide open bean field. It's actually hidden. You can't see it from anywhere. So it doesn't mm-hmm. really act like a normal field um, because it's so secluded and it's surrounded by, you know, standing corn and fence rows and chunks of wood. So it's it's literally like the perfect little area. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a couple pinch points on it. However, I wanted to, me and Henry were out there doing something. I think we actually broadcasted some rye last year into the uh, beans on the one side because they had uh, they dried up enough. I forgot I did do that last year, but I, did, I didn't do it at the right time, so I didn't get good grow on it. I waited too long, but we were there, and I was like, Henry, we should totally put a ground blind over there in that deadfall because that we had a big storm that came through in like middle of September maybe and it blew it over. And we we thought about doing it, and then we just never did. Well, come to find out, October 7th, here I am sitting back 200 yards away, and uh, two bucks fought in the middle of this bean field like no other. And the one was a really nice eight-point. He's probably a four-year-old. Uh, would have totally shot him. And I was kicking myself in the butt kind of because I was like, man, he literally walked right by where I would have put that ground blind where I could have been right in the thick of action. No deer down there. Like that's a known mm-hmm. area deer like to travel through. And he walked right by a tree stand, or it's not a tree stand, but I usually hang in this like group. Usually when we do the hanging hunts on property that you have permission or private, you kind of have your trees picked out for the wind. So like nope. I have like three or four trees all within like 60 yards of each other that I can hunt no matter the wind. And for the mm-hmm. wind that night, I could have snuck in there, hung, and I would have dusted them at like 25 yards. And I was just like <laughs> the whole time, like, oh my gosh, I was just yeah. too passive on that. You are not passive in october 1st you go balls the wall yeah so the it would have been two years ago i killed my buck on my first sit on october 2nd so i decided not to hunt opening day because usually it falls on on opening day of duck season so me and me and mason usually head up to duck camp but i had uh gotten a picture of this deer and got a little notification (laughs) opening evening of duck season that there's deer at 30 yards hitting hit my mock scrape it was like probably 85 degrees so i was like i know he's he's staying close i mean he's got water there he's got everything he needs and yeah sure enough shot him at like 345 and i got early yeah nuts nuts which that was one of the crazier experience hunting experiences you know i've been on i i snuck in it was it was one of the the first time i ever had a stand there too It it was the first set um i thought it'd be thought it'd be good um and it was just perfect access like undeniable access under some cedars we had like a little tunnel of cedars that you could walk through to get up into the stand surrounded by autumn olives so like you were in the stand before anything could even see you perfect sure enough he stood up out of his bed at like 24 yards like had no idea i was there no idea yeah because you you took a picture right you showed me the picture where the deer was when yep. he stood up and I was like, no way. And you're like, yeah, dude. And you look and you're like, I could see why a deer bed there. A little pocket. Yep. And he was right yep. there. 
and you snuck right up into him. Fifteen yards from the from the mock scrape and the pitcher I saw the night before. I mean, he Nuts. was just hanging out. Yeah, just and I've done that. I've you know that people might call. I don't. I hope no one doesn't believe you. I mean, I believe you because I have done hanging hunts and had deer within fifty yards of me. Like mm-hmm. you sneak in, like you know your spot, and this isn't. I'm not bumbling around the dark. This is the evening set. You're. I mean, the one buck, the one right here behind behind my shoulder, right there, mm-hmm. that joker. Yep. I bet I was within sixty five yards of him when I set up, and it had just rained. Yep. And I had, the, like you said, like a perfect access. I hadn't hunted this property all year. It was October 26th. Got done raining. I like had this game plan. And yeah, I snuck in there and set up. And that joker came out two hours before dark. Checked like two or three different scrapes. Was just doing loops, checking all the other deer in the area. And I just mm-hmm. shot him on his way to the other side. So nope. it can be done. And then if you, and those, I have a preset behind my house. I got property to hunt. Same thing. Like I can sneak in there. I got just it's off the field edge it's down in the bottom a little bit and they can slide up and i know the deer are bedding within 60 75 mm-hmm. yards of me because there's deadfalls i find their beds often you're you're staring because you know the deer are coming from and all you watch them boop, get up and then come now over for, you, for you is that like your first time in there so for me that's where a lot of my success comes from it's the it's the first time i've entered this piece like i know the deer's there i have intel that the deer's there and i so I, every, I pounce, yes. pounce on the opportunity basically and that's that's when i'm most successful so every every big deer i've shot has been the first time and that okay. has been the first time uh hanging hunt um and then the preset i'm trying to think if i've even shot one on a preset before i could have this year i passed like three deer on presets but they were three-year-olds they weren't just something i wanted um mm-hmm. and then I don't think I have shot. I'm looking through the deer I've got. No, they've all been, all the big ones have been first sets on mm-hmm. hanging hunt. I've shot them or the one I might've hung it the night before and shot them the next morning. Maybe. No, nope, that was a hanging hunt the same night. No. So I've, I've had, I've had better luck. Like you're saying the first try mm-hmm. in the spot behind my house works really well because I can get in there. I can see them get up the way they work by me. I can get out of there without them knowing I'm there. Mm-hmm. So the deer kind of walk by me and then it's like a urban area. So there's people all over, like they're used to cars right. driving by. So I can really sneak in and out of there. Those are the only spots I can hunt more than once in a year and have success seeing deer. Right. Are those kind of spots up North. I get like two tries and that's it. Then I got to move, mm-hmm. burn it. But yeah. Yep. That's kind of funny you say that. It's like, do, am I wasting my time sitting that stand over yeah. again? But it's like you see right. deer still, so you don't know. But well, uh, that, you know, that's something we've, you know, that little bit of knowledge that we've gained over the years. I mean, mm-hmm. we used to, especially when I was in college, when we had that lease, and I had, you know, classes at random times. I had a, an opening in the afternoon or an evening that I could go hunt every single evening if I wanted to, and I was in the stand like crazy, but. I didn't have near the success I have now, but I wasn't mm-hmm. patient. You know, I was mm-hmm. going out there every opportunity I had. Now, if I have a good opportunity, but it's not the right, you know, time to go into the spot, I'm going to sit on top of the hill and I'm just going to glass. And, yep. you know, that's, that's, I guess that's the advantage we have on our property, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's a fine line. Cause I did that last year. That was what my observation set on the by on my family, which was a great experience. Like I loved it. Got to see bucks fight. Like I would not take that back. But that was kind of my agenda. And then I mm-hmm. I set a camera 
I hunted the next night down in there because I, I saw the eight point. I was like, he, I mean, on video and all that, I was like, I think he's four. I think it was a buck I have history with. Didn't get much bigger, but, you know, typical Michigan, like they're nice frame. And then when they're from three to four, they either blow up like crazy or they do this mass. They gain mass and body size and they really mm-hmm. jump when they're five. But um, I went down there. I hunted that night, set the camera on a scrape I had in that inside corner. And I hunted and I had little bucks come by and some does. And then I didn't hunt it again, but I got that buck on camera that night and mm-hmm. I knew it. He came in like probably 45 minutes after I left. So an hour, some, you know, hour ish after shooting light. Cause I had pulled my, I pull my set down every night when I hang in hucks. I don't, first of all, I don't want people knowing where I'm hunting. I don't want people stealing, you know, trespassers and that <laughs> kind of stuff. But um, nope. I never had him on that camera the rest of the year in daylight after that. So I literally mm-hmm. had one day, October 7th, which that's the first time I've seen him in daylight, never saw him in daylight again. That might have been the only time he fought a buck, and then he was nocturnal the rest of the year. And that right. very well could have been because he smelled me, you know, backtracked me to where I was, mm-hmm. and was like, oh, this joker's sitting here, I'm done. And he just knew to hang out where I couldn't hunt him for the rest of the year. I mean, that's the gamble mm-hmm. you take, right? But, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I, I think, if anything, the, you know, what's been the huge advantage for us is just cell cams. I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. once, once we transitioned to cell cams, it completely changed the experience on our property. I mean, I think cell cams have not to... helped me kill a deer. Like, I don't think I can't see any of the deer I've got that I killed that deer because of a cell cam picture mm-hmm. as, but I've killed that deer because of what cell cameras have told me what the deer do. So exactly. that updated yep. information, that tool that you add, you still you still have to come through the game plan, but getting the the access to undisturbed deer because you mm-hmm. know you, you used to put your cameras. It went from put your cameras in the best spot you got to hunt, and then you go check every two weeks or once a month. Walk in there, pull mm-hmm. the card. Oh my gosh, there's bucks all over this, but that was two weeks ago. To yep. you know, take a whole year to learn that, and then try to remember and catalog. So then the following year, you sneak in there at that time of year. I did a hang and hunt October 4th in the morning and I shot, you know, a nice buck, uh, at like 10 o'clock in the morning, October 4th. But that was strictly mm-hmm. because of the year before I knew the first six, seven days, of October, there was a bunch of bucks walking through this little Ridge. It's like Fern Ridge going down into the swamp. So, but now I get that same thing. It doesn't take me a year though. I get it real time. Instantly. Instantly yep. Yes. So it helps a lot. It does. You just got to be smart with how you do it still because i screwed mm-hmm. it up still <laughs> <laughs> there's still plenty of room for error in yeah. bow hunting. i mean as much as as much as people want to think that you know we have all the technology to give us this advantage it still takes a lot of mm-hmm. mental game to you know try and kill a big buck it's not it's not as easy as you'd think deer deer don't work exactly how you want them to <laughs> no i mean and it, and it still just, shocks oh. me it's like, come on, like you, yep. you've done this three days in a row, the fourth day, why aren't you doing it the fourth day? Or yep. you did this, you know, I had, I had this one buck, he's a seven point. I've been chasing that joker. Oh, 2019, I shot at him with my shotgun. Uh, crazy story. Uh, he, I was hunting up North opening day gun. Uh, mm-hmm. my brother-in-law had just gotten into hunting AJ who we did the, uh, podcast with a couple weeks ago. He was sitting in my spot on his family farm a gun spot and he had texted me and said hey i saw this really big deer in this 
these really big deer came out of this section of the field. Well, I had permission to hunt a property really close to that. Unfortunately, I'm the only one that can hunt it. They don't want anyone else hunting there. Um, even though I've tried, but they're just like, no, just one person, probably because they got overrun before. So they're just kind of adamant on that. But you're as respectful as you can be. So I went in there the next morning and I drove all the way down from like similar to what you said, you know, you get the information and you gotta act on it quick. Mm-hmm. So I acted on it the next morning. I found out that night, got in there the next morning you know did my access did this crazy walk did all the things set up in a saddle had my, had my shotgun because i had my brother-in-law just started hunting so he's using my nice 450 and i like literally that morning was like do i take my bow do i take my muzzleloader which i haven't shot my muzzleloader in like four years because or however long it had been because you can use straight wall cartridges at the time mm-hmm. and i hadn't really muzzled or hunted or i was like man if i set up in the tree i want that one creek crossing is like 50 yards I was like, I better just take my shotgun, which is my Benelli sweet shotgun, semi-automatic that I use for turkeys, geese, waterfowl, all that stuff. I yep. never shot a slug through it my entire life. What a dummy. Like 2019, mm. 29 years old, I should know better. But I was like, I'm just going to take the shotgun. How bad could it be? I should be able to hit something at 50 yards with a slug, you know, open right. bird barrel, open sights. Lo and behold, that deer comes through with a smaller 10 point which actually I shot the 10 point the next year, but comes through right at that creek crossing 50 yards, put it on a boom, shoot, whiffed, completely whiffed on this deer. <laughs> okay, so from 2019, I've hunted that deer since. And mm-hmm. I have got pictures of him on cell cameras and traditional cameras. And I have only seen him one time other than that. And that was 2021. I saw him bumping does 300 yards away. And I have cell cameras all over that area, and he's on it. And I mean, oh. just because you get a picture of him doesn't mean you're going to kill that deer. And right. last year, I got a picture of him uh, end of season, finally. all my like A bunch of my cameras got toasted early in the year because of ants and all that stuff. So I learned my lesson. That's why I don't have any cameras up right now. But um, solar panels are awesome, but they give access to ants in your cameras. Oh, yeah. like I learned crazy. that last yeah. year, yes. Uh, so I'm waiting Good to bit. use them. But that deer showed up finally end of the year after season as like this gnarly looking five point same brow time safe curved as beam same old deer that deer has got to be ancient but i've been hunting that deer hard since 2019 so like you said that's the argument trick cameras are awesome cell cams do make something you just gotta take it when you get it you know easy yep. but they don't guarantee anything so and I, I will say you mentioned the whiff i will say like as regardless of how much success we've had it's like a good whiff or hitting a deer and not finding it humbles you real quick. I mean, yes, sir. there's the biggest buck I've ever shot at. It's not on my wall right now. It's, it's because I couldn't <laughs> find him. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's be a better, better bow hunter. And I think that's why bow hunting is so good. Like, I mean, I was pretty competitive grow. I'm a very competitive guy, like growing up mm-hmm. and, you know, with sports and all that stuff. And I think that's why I've always loved hunting because it's not easy. It's you got to work. Hard. I guess you can make it easy. It's if you just want to go shoot a deer, I guess that would be pretty easy Michigan in certain areas because there's just so many deer. But then trying to like up that game, that chess match, that makes it really fun. And yep. uh, yeah, I think uh, I think the day that I think I have it licked, I just need to give it up. And I don't yep. see that day coming anytime soon, thankfully. Nope. So. Nope. <laughs> But, i'm i'm itching uh, i don't know about you but dude you talking about been, your early october success has got me like dude it's august 9th right now we're, that's what we're I mean. close that's, man 
it's like, first couple I... weeks, if it doesn't happen, I usually get pretty questionable. I, you know, I, I start questioning my, my tactics and, you know, what I'm doing, things like that. Cause usually I, for me, it's, it's pretty quick. And then, but then but, it's great. Get them done the first, you know, by October 18th, let's say, I'll give you two extra days because 16th's your favorite. You smack your Michigan yep. buck. And then you can let just it cool Illinois. down a little bit. Yeah. Let it cool Illinois. down in Illinois, get out of the 80s, and I can go hop down there on the first cold front. Yep. Be good It'll stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. But no, is there, um, is there anything else you got kind of going for whitetail hunting like new this year? Like, I know I got some new gear I kind of talked about. Do you got anything new for this year? Gear wise, no. Uh, this year it's been a pretty good year for property maintenance. Um, so we're getting actually this weekend. So I'm planting one of the plots tomorrow. Then this weekend I got a load of gravel coming in. We're doing a big creek crossing. Um, it's going to give me access to a solid 60 acres that I've never had access to before. Nice. I can't get any equipment back there. It's it's blocked by two pretty large creeks. So. Um, we're going to do a pretty nice crossing there and I'm going to get some of our equipment out there and, uh, Excellent. get it worked up and, and have, I'll have, I can probably add another two or three acres of food down there. So Sweet. it's going to, it's going to be huge, huge for the property. Um, it just needs to, just needs to happen. It needs that's, to that's do it. Yep. It's way too busy to, to do anything else. So <laughs> hey, busy is a good problem to have yep. for that. Exactly. Yeah, I think I got this year, like I said, I got a couple of new stand. Um, I did get a new bow this spring. I got that. And that thing is shooting lasers. Like, wow, I love it. I, uh, what'd you, you know, get? I got the Hoyt Ultra, the okay, uh, yep. RX7. Really like yep. it. Finally broke down about a carbon bow. Been hemming and hawing on a carbon bow for a handful of years and was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it this year. And, mm-hmm. um, it fits me really well. I think that's why. Other bow fit me really well. Like my other bow wasn't bad. I really enjoyed it, but I just had to have it like really tricked out to shoot how I wanted it to be, you know, to shoot like as consistently mm-hmm. as I wanted, like tricked out being, you know, a big front stabilizer, a big back bar. Um, I had to have, you know, have it the back bar swung out a certain way. So I like to shoot my quiver on. Um, and it just like it felt really and I had to shoot like a taller bow because the way it was my stringing it was, I shot like a taller axle axle bow. So it just felt kind of cumbersome. I mean, I've shot deer with it and all that stuff, but I kind of really was like, if I'm going to do a switch up, I want to do a switch up. So mm-hmm. I went to the Hoyt and I really like it because it's a little sleeker. It's a oh. shorter axle axle. It's ultra. So I think it's like 34, but still two inches shorter than my other bow. Um, I don't have a big stabilizer in front. It's got the little stubby on there. And that's what I got. That bar. Dude, it shoots so great. Like I shoot it as good as my other bow, maybe better. I think I shoot it better actually. At range. And I have the I have the Ventum Pro, which is the aluminum yep. model. And I, I love that bow. I mean it's, yeah, they shoot great. it's great. And I'm just shooting a little stubby too. You know, I don't I don't need near as much stabilization as I did mm-hmm. on my last bow. Yep. It's a just trying to bow for sure. Yeah, trying to bring it back to the basics a little bit because mm-hmm. That's how I used to shoot my bows. Like I had, I never went really crazy on any accessories. I've mm-hmm. always had my quiver on my bow. So I just learned to shoot it without even a back bar. And then when I bought that previous bow, you know, you know, probably four or five years ago, got me into the kind of the back bar game to help offset yep. that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so nice. Like sweet shooting. Yep. So I still have that. That's really nice. But just the quiver's closer to the bow. The back bar isn't swung out as far because of that. It's just so streamlined, and I'm just shooting really, really good. And I was getting mm-hmm. so hung up in years past to, like, you know, all my targets in the yard. 
you know, I'm shooting 52 yards, crank it to 52, shooting 36 yards, crank it to 36. And I actually listened to a podcast of uh, Brian Bordrick, I believe his name. He owns Day Six Gear. He was on someone. And I shoot some of his yep. arrows and his broadheads. And he was talking about how he knows his gaps for ranges. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly how I used to shoot a bow when I was younger. I had my 20 yard mm-hmm. pin and I knew how high to aim at 30 and how high to aim at 40. And I knew how to gap shoot with just one pin. And I yep. killed a pile of deer doing that. So the last few weeks I've been doing that again, just put my bow at 20 yards and just learning my gaps. And it's surprising how effective you are doing that. Yep. And I have a, um, so I measure the gap too on targets, but I also have like one of those buck geek or the, what is it? What's a nice big buck, uh, target. Uh, Morale. Yeah, whatever that one is, and I got it like yeah. a blemished or something, so I got cheaper. Yeah. So like being able to like have that deer like quartering away or broadside or whatever, I'm like, okay, kill zones approximately cut it in half. And, you know, it's not perfect, but just being able to, you know, have my holdover. It's like if that deer is at 40 yards and in, my pin does not have to be off the deer's body. Mm-hmm. Like just knowing that, I'm so much more. I feel like way more confident because I did have. Well, and I don't, you know, I don't know about you, but confidence is just a huge player in bow hunting mm-hmm. for me anyway. I mean, that's, it took me a little while to get there, but once you had the confidence, you know, especially with the good, you know, equipment nowadays, we have the confidence in that, being able to take that to mm-hmm. the field. It just, it just makes it, makes you so much more efficient as a bow hunter. Yes. I feel like you're not, you're not questioning near as much when a deer's coming in. Mm-hmm. You know what you've done, you've shot all, shot all summer. Yep. Yeah, it feels great. It feels great, like knowing that I can go out there and not like I was relying so much on like pulling my rangefinder out every deer that walked by. Oh, it's thirty three yards. Oh, that's twenty seven yards. And I was like almost like missing on the experience of like watching the deer work through. Because like even if it was a doe or a buck, I wasn't gonna shoot. I just like I need to know the range. I need to know because I have to shoot exactly that range. Well, it's like no, I don't. Like I mm-hmm. can shoot effectively enough at 30 yards and in or 30 or 40, let's just say 40 and in is kind of my thing. If I am going to shoot a deer over 40 yards, I'm going to range it. Like yep. I just need to range it. And if it's over 30 yards, if I have time, I'm going to range it. Like that's just, I think the right thing to do. But if a deer's bumping a doe or doing something or coming in quick, I don't want to have to be so like hung up on, pulling my rangefinder out and zapping it and doing this i feel like this is a new thing that i I used to do as a kid i had an old bow no let off pull that bugger back and i was i would shoot deer at 35 yards all the time and have a one pin like that's and i just learned how to do that and it's like throwing a ball i mean i shoot lots of recurve i grew up shooting instinctively my dad's shot instinctive bow for a long time so like that has rejuvenated me shooting my bow this Mm. summer it's been a lot of fun you know doing that it's funny the last couple couple deer I've shot I've I've obviously killed them and then I, I sit in the truck afterwards and I, I think to myself I was like man I didn't do a damn thing getting ready for that deer I I sat in my seat and I waited for him to come in and I drew and shot and yep. you know, it's as simple and as stupid as that sounds that's what's worked it, it, but that's you know, good because that means you're back in, in the kill day. mode you're in kill yep. mode like you're very like you've gotten the to the mistakes. point as a hunter yes yeah the mistakes I've made in previous years has been because i've ranged it you know 15 times before the deer's actually in, mm-hmm. in, in my gap to shoot and i'm overthinking everything and it's like just go out there be confident 
That's huge. I mean, yep. So I'm really pumped about that. Now, if I start you know, missing all fall, we can just come back to this conversation and be like, yeah. "You're stupid." Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, my, I'll bring my target down to Illinois. Yeah, we'll yeah be just shooting. in case. But, yeah, no, it's fun. I'm not no, I'm not like a tat shooter by any means, but you yeah. know, if you go out there and say hit that baseball at 55 yards, I'll hit that baseball for you. So feel right. pretty good about that. So I think. I shot broadheads a little bit, so I'll probably I usually start shooting broadheads in September. So mm-hmm. I will have a broadhead. I'll shoot try to shoot one broadhead every day, any range. Yep. That's really good indication of where I'm at from tuning wise, because string stretch could happen or bow yep. could get tweaked or whatever. So that's usually I don't start that until September. First of all, I don't have enough money to buy targets if I shoot a bunch of broadheads because it gets expensive. Yep. But uh that's what I'll do for that. And then trail cameras, I don't have any out in Michigan right now, so me and the fam or me henry and ashley are going to start doing those this weekend uh mm-hmm. i'm going to get them out i got a whole box full of them with batteries ready to go so i gotta get them all ready and then that's going to go. be this weekend and i got my food plots done so yeah i think other than food plots in illinois i'm pretty much wrapped up with the habitat stuff for the year and just yep. trail cameras are next and then just yeah i got two really nice bucks i know for sure are alive that I could target. They're both eight points. The one I have a shed from from last year. I saw him last week. He blew up from last year. He's a now. Do you do, you do quite a bit of driving around the sections looking yep. for deer? Yep. yep. We go get ice cream and drive around. Yep. Um, Road scouting. That's yep. Exactly. I know the um. I know the farms. I know where they like to be. So I yep. know like where I could park my truck and just kind of wait and know where the big ones are, opposed to like the littler ones. And then, uh, yeah, then when we go do the food plots, like the only scouting I've done this summer, I really, me and Henry did a lot of summer scouting last couple of years because my wife was in nursing, you know, nurse practitioner school or whatever, doing her master's. Mm-hmm. So like, it was just me and him on the weekend. She's studying, get, get out of here. I'm trying to study. So we'd be like, all right, we're going to the woods. And yep. I didn't really have any, the amount of effort and miles I walked was great. Like taught my kid a lot of cool things, did all that. But I didn't really get a good return on that from like deer hunting mm-hmm. last year. So I've kind of scaled that back, didn't do hardly any of it this summer, and just focused on putting some food plots in because of the opportunity I had. And then, yeah, shoot my bow and just kind of being more doing to-do list stuff and getting some stuff ready. And this podcast thing kind of took up some yep. time. But, yeah, I don't have, other than those two deer, the one, the, both of them caught me by surprise because they're a lot bigger than I anticipated them being. I know both of them. And then I have three other deer that I'm like just patiently waiting for my cameras to get out and tell me how big they got because yep. there's three that are so I it's looking really good going into the fall. So I'm like yep. getting jacked up for Michigan, man. I'm like, dude, say this it, could be awesome. <laughs> my my couple of drives around I mean, multiple drives, I should say. I try to get out at least once a week, driving around the section, you know, whatnot, checking out the corners. There's certain corners that are hot. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this year there's just been an absurd amount of bucks, you know, especially bucks that I've seen in previous years. They're still around, you know, it could be doing part two or conservation mm-hmm. uh, efforts in the area, but it seems to be paying off. So yeah, I think um, I was actually worried. That. I was worried because of the drought. I didn't know what mm-hmm. was going to happen. I See, was last like, year, last year was horrible. Like scout, summer scouting was not yep. near as good as it was this year. I would agree. I had nothing, nothing. I can't think of last summer seeing a buck in velvet. There was mm-hmm. one young 10 point that I know he's alive. I haven't seen him. I passed him last year. He was hanging out by where I could see him last year. He's not there this year that I've seen, but I've heard where he is. I can't see it from the road. I have to 
go walk on a dude's field. And I'm just not going to scare any deer. So I don't want to do that. Um, right. Other than that, last year, I didn't see crap for velvet bucks like at all. And this year it's like, why is there so many bucks? Like you're saying, why yeah. am I seeing these deer and yeah. why are they making that big of a jump? So I don't know if it's just the deer or the year, but I, you would have thought the drought was so bad. It was, but maybe the, we got rain in right. time where all these crops pop up and they're doing yep. good. I don't know, but we did have a really easy winter. So yep. we, I actually found a bunch of sheds this year because typically the bucks aren't, don't winter where I hunt because of the cover. They don't yep. have any thermal cover for them. But because the winter was so easy, I actually found a lot of sheds. Um, so I think that might actually have a pretty big role into these deer. They yep. went into the spring really healthy. So they've had, they've we'll had it pretty easy this whole year. So. Mm-hmm. Michigan you know. buck poll on Instagram, Facebook, we'll be able to see if that's uh, yeah, true that's, through the entire state true, or not, yeah. but that's yeah. how I'm feeling. So, but yeah, is there any, yeah, anything else, what, man? I mean, I know it's getting a little late. I don't know how early you're going to wake up tomorrow, but what no, do you got going on? Anything else? No, I mean, I, like I said, we're food plots tomorrow. Obviously got to show up to work, so that's always a fun one. Yeah, you wake four, up early four, for that. 4.30 rolls around <laughs> awfully quick every day. So. Yep, so no, I'll uh, yeah, I'll let you go, but I appreciate that. You're definitely going to be hearing Drew and uh, more this fall. You guys are kind of going to help me out through the fall, um, try to give as real up to, up-to-date legit hunting stories or hunting mm-hmm. events through the fall. So I got a handful of guys and Drew's on that list that I hope to go through and we can – chit chat and see what's going on and hopefully it would be awesome if we can get this compilation of information and see how relevant it is year to year because you have success early october very consistent consistently i have success late october going into november really good so it's like kind of meshing these two together and picking up on these things and just being as versatile as we can because we're not we're we're essentially weekend warriors you know like we we do have time but you know, I hate sitting at home. October not, 1st year, on, not near not the doing time it. we used to have. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Correct. Yeah. College days. <laughs> College yeah. days. Those are nice. <laughs> Those are behind <laughs> us. So, yeah. but yeah. So no, I, I'm, I'm super glad that you came on uh, tonight. Yep. Did this. Yeah, thanks for me. Got me jacked up for October, man. Yeah. Like, I'm too, man. Just talking about this. It's like, oh. Ooh, let's go. So, but yeah, if, uh, if uh, there's nothing else, let's uh, have a good good night. And anyone else listening to this this week, make sure you guys get out there, enjoy enjoy creation, and um, yeah, get your. What do you think the window is for food plots? I've heard end of August, right? You got till the end of August to get some food plots in. Usually. Yeah, pretty much depends on what you're planting. I'm doing like a beans, peas, and oats, so usually start to mid mid August is when I try to get them in. But we got some. There's so much moisture in the ground now. We've been getting so much rain. I think you're. You get a pretty good window just about this whole month yeah so. be good so yeah get out there do a food plot obviously drew's got first-hand experience on a non-ideal hunting property from the outside but you can make it into something give it some time put some equity into it it'd be successful for him but yeah get out there do it and yeah look forward to hunting illinois with you this fall man yeah me too man it's good talking to you yeah.